This podcast is brought to you by FormKeep. Form endpoints for designers and developers. No iframes, JavaScript embeds, or CSS overrides. Try out our sandbox mode before you buy at formkeep.com. Did you know that when you search the iTunes store for build phase, you get a lot of song results for we built this city? Cool. Which doesn't make sense. No. Can we like license that song to play in this outro? Would that be worth it? How much money does it cost to like license a song for like usage? Oh, it's like fair use under some. Is it fair use if it's, it. if it's Jefferson Starship? Do they listen to the show? Probably not. I think it's fine. Hey. Hey. What's happening? What's up? This is good. I like that we're recording today. It's like a like before and after. Like you just showed up. It does feel like I just showed up. Well, no, I'm saying you just showed up when we recorded the last episode. Oh, yeah. And you're leaving tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it's just like bookended your trip. Yeah, it's nice. A little chat. It's good. I we're sound really fr- good. Yeah, yeah. When I when, when I record here. Yeah, sure. It's a good setup. Yeah. I think it's promising that like we're still friends after. <laughs> Just like if anything, I think we're a week. better friends. <laughs> sure, I'm gonna go out on a limb. Yeah, sure. Tom's done. Tom's done with the show. Later. <laughs> um, so what's up? How was your week? Long? No, this Short? week cruised by. Yeah. I know I said that last week, and I know that because I listened to last week's episode today. You did? Yeah. Yesterday? No, and today. Oh, you listened to well, it? I just like put it on again. Oh, just cool. To- just to refresh my memory. Sure. No, it's been good. I yeah. really enjoy working out of the office. Out of this office. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is a nice office. Mm-hmm. The eighth floor is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real nice. The weather this week has been, well, the second half has been great. Enjoyable. Oh, it's too hot the first half? Is it the. I mean, it wasn't. Like, honestly, like here in Boston, it's fine. Right. But out there, just not as fine. Gross. Yeah. A little humid. Yeah. No, it's been a good week. Yeah. What happened? We saw a baseball game. Oh, yeah. We went to Fenway. We saw the first place Houston Astros Mm -hmm. beat the last place Boston Red Sox. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was a good game. High scoring. That was an excellent game. Mm -hmm. That was a long game. Four Mm -hmm. and a half hours. Yeah. Ten innings. Mm -hmm. And the craziest, oldest Red Sox fan Mm -hmm. that has ever existed. Yeah. We ended up just like walking around Fenway. Because it was just like we, our seats were kind of like back under cover, and it was like hot and stagnant air, and like we had been drinking, so it was just kind of. And then like it was, we're in the older part of the park, so it was like really, really no leg room. So like my knees were digging into the seat in front of me, which means your knees were. It was like impossible, and so we ended up walking around Fenway, and ended up back behind behind this dude, just like hanging. We were just hanging out, and we're behind this old dude who was like way out in right field but and like basically behind a pillar but was convinced that like he was affecting the game by like distracting the houston batters and like it's like flipping his hands out like trying to distract him and was like yelling at people when they started doing the wave during when the boss when boston was at bat it was incredible gave up totally gave up on the game that i, I think that was the best part <laughs> the 10th inning yeah like once the astros take like a four run lead. Yeah. <laughs> he just gets up 
and walks off and is muttering to himself, never again. Yeah. That was my Perfect. favorite. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Just so defeated. Yeah. He does that literally every week. Right. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah, that was a good game, though. I met a bunch of – there were a bunch of people from Houston there, which was crazy to me. I'm not used to seeing other Houston fans, like – poke their heads up <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh it's but it was socially weird. acceptable yeah it was year. like it, it was it was really weird it felt like it was like the astros to some extent are becoming trendy right like that these these young stars are like starting to get recognition and it's kind of cool it's really cool saw a bunch of like carlos correa jerseys um it was like carlos correa jerseys and then like Jeff Bagwell jerseys and Biggio and like Nolan Ryan and like it was one or the other. It would like there was no oh there was that dude had a Hank Conger jersey which I was convinced was fake, but then it was a Hank Conger jersey and I can't imagine why anyone would fake a Hank Conger jersey. It's like our backup <laughs> backup catcher. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know what's weird about this show is that I feel like for the first time ever we're not telling stories to each other. We're actually talking to the people who yeah. listen to the show, and I often forget that those people exist. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is – yeah, yeah. this is a weird show because we've just hung out all week. Right. So there's not much to catch up on here. No, but there are exciting <laughs> yeah. tales to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just normally I would be telling you or you would be telling me, and then we'd be laughing at each other. Right. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we got to experience Yeah. average Red Sox fan sadness mm-hmm. firsthand. Mm-hmm. What else happened this week? Fourth of July. We're recording early. I don't know if that's important. Probably not. We're going to release it on time. We're just not going to record next Friday. <laughs> right. Like a month from now. Right. What have you been working on? How about that? You can plug your stuff that you guys open source. Oh, yeah. I had a small hand in that. Mm-hmm. No, whatever. But Contributed a little bit. Yeah. But it's worth plugging. Uh, yeah, static. Trending on trending on GitHub right now. Is it way. trending? Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, it only had 20 stars. Nope, it's trending right now. Under under Swift. Oh, under Swift. That makes sense. So static is a Swift framework for building static table views. Mm-hmm. Which is something we talked about a lot, actually, on yeah. the show, I think. Yeah. And one of the things I was happy with, like, looking at it when you sent me this, is it, it feels similar to this structure that we'd actually talked about that I did at one of my first clients here at ThoughtBot. I needed to build static table views and I needed a dynamic way to be able to build static table views. And so it was a less polished but very similar abstraction where you build rows and then the, you hand those rows to sections and then you hand those sections to table view controller and then the table view controller just handles the rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in this case, um, the main driver here is a data source, mm-hmm. which is an NS object subclass, just for you heathens that are still working with Objective C. Right. Right. And it gets initialized with a table view and holds a weak reference to that. And it you can optionally initialize it with a, an array of these section objects, or you can just set these set these later. You can just blow mm-hmm. them out and re- replace them with sections. And um, sections are lightweight. Sections have rows, an array of rows, and they also have like a header and a footer, and the rows themselves are just model objects. They're just model objects that represent everything that you're going to display, except they're very extensive. Like you can almost do everything that you would normally mm-hmm. do in a table view with, with static. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So the one tiny bit that I actually got to contribute here was the handling of accessories, like accessory type, right. accessory view. Uh, it mirrors UI table view cell accessory type and also adds a view. And that's an enum. Mm-hmm. So like view has an associated view. Detail button has an associated closure because mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to have one of those unless you're going to implement accessory button tapped mm-hmm. for row with index path. Right. Yeah, I like that. That's that's like that's like best practices through opinionated API design. That's yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, we had a discussion about that, and I was like, I really think like if you're going to use this type, you want to know about taps. So it's like, why don't we just enforce mm-hmm. that you use this? Mm-hmm. You know, but like check mark is just a plain enum case. Yep. Like nothing, nothing there. Disclosure indicator, just a plain case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just has this sort of uh, unruly initializer on row. It's like init with text, detail text, selection, accessory, cell class, context, and UUID, mm-hmm. except they all have default arguments. So you cool. really only need to pass in like whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And like if we had tried that in Objective-C, that would have been gross. Like it, it either would have been a disgusting initializer or it's like you make a row and then you have to set all these properties on it. Right. But this way, like when you're building one of these in code and you have a section and it's full of rows composes really nicely like you can just one line each row as right. like a member of this array into this section and it looks it looks really really good and we're actually we're using it in the shipping version of venmo right now for, oh cool in i this, didn't realize that yeah in the, the the settings view controller is it's, completely driven by static that's where it started and then it's been pulled out i didn't realize there was any i guess i just hadn't been paying attention i didn't realize that i didn't realize how much yes i did we talked about this how much swift was in it's growing pretty quick but too. isn't isn't static swift 2.0 is it a previous version of static that's a good point uh yeah so i think whatever whatever exists in the venmo app still exists right now but when it was pulled out it, it was turned into updated. like a yeah yeah because we uh, there are a few places where we're doing swift 2 things i believe guards and yeah um case let maybe case let yeah it's like so if let is actually a shorthand now if let is a shorthand for if case let so case let is like like in a switch i don't know much about this so i should probably stop talking about it but there there's new there's new like let syntaxes for other things like i think like while let are you saying you can switch on optional enums now and then do case let maybe because i used to get really annoyed having to do if let some enum some. and then switch inside of it right, right. and i always wanted to be able to just be like no can i just switch on, on an optional and not have to wrap everything right. in some maybe i don't know enough about this and it was it wasn't interesting to me when it went by because i'm not i'm not doing a lot of this but but i, I should probably look into it more yeah hopefully by this by the time this podcast has come out i've remembered and have gone and looked into it more but awesome there's a chance I hadn't, so hey, just send us email or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so static is cool, mm. super useful. Yeah, I I I pinged you about it in Tropos because you had a you have a pull request open in Tropos to bring the settings view in app. Oh well, we yeah. have to update to 2.0, so there there's a problem there. That, but I want to do that anyway. And right now, I am building that thing in a storyboard, mm. but it's really it's not saving me a lot of code, right? Because I'm still having to make my own enums for each section right. to sort of handle selections and do the right, right. thing. I, at this point, I honestly don't see what the what having it in the storyboard is getting me. Probably not I could much. build it a little bit of design, maybe, but not even like it's just a normal table view that's been styled and like mm-hmm. there's one custom cell 
that like has the ThoughtBot logo in it. But that's super easy to do with static because mm-hmm. one of the parameters is a cell class. Mm-hmm. And you just make it conform to cell type, which mm-hmm. has one method, configure, and it takes mm-hmm. a row and you configure yourself. Yeah. So I can just make a cell that just has an image view in it and be like, okay, this one is this cell. Done. Yeah. It has a selection that kicks you out to thoughtbot.com. Mm-hmm. No problem. I'm going to move that over. Yeah. I mean, probably merge the pull request. Well, yeah. And yeah, because that needs to shit. happen. Yeah, sure. It's been sitting there a while. Yeah. Super excited about having that open source. I think my favorite contributions to Tropos so far have been the localization ones. Yes. I Like, I, I didn't even think of that. But, like, we obviously, you know, made it localizable from the start. Right. And all of a sudden, I look one day and I'm like, oh, this just works in Italian now. That's awesome. Right. And today we got one in Polish. Yeah. And I kind of clicked around and made sure, like, a few of those were, like, actual Polish things. And, like, somebody wasn't just... Like, messing well, with us so what we did kind of invisibly to you at this point invisibly to the exterior thing right is like we have so many people so many bilingual people in the company that the first thing we did was like when we got that italian one we just were like who knows italian <laughs> can someone comment on this you know and make sure that this is okay so i did the exact same thing i haven't gotten any fee- any hits yet because i apparently i don't know if we have any polish people in the company but like immediately saying like if you know polish can you comment on this localization pull request so by the way if you know polish <laughs> please i'm because i'm gonna we're gonna leave this open for a little while i'm not gonna merge this in because it's changing the copy for the entire app and the only thing i'm confused about and it's could totally just be that i have no idea what polish is supposed to look like there i don't there are very few capital letters in that localization pull request like in the localized version in the polish there's very few capital letters and i don't know if that's is that like a polish thing that you don't capitalize stuff that much or hmm. is it just not capitalized like i just have no idea i guess i should just ask on a pull request but part of me wants to just have a polish person or someone that speaks polish anyway review the pull request anyway yeah totally because um, i assume it's just like anything else like you want two eyes on it Right, like I'd want, yeah. I'd want other eyes. If I wrote an English translation, like every time I write a blog post, I'm like, please, yeah, exactly, tell right. me, yeah, where I'm screwing stuff up, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I I I love those because it's it feels like a low overhead contribution that only makes the app better and more accessible to more people, and. I don't know. It's like it's like a very it's a very cool way to be able to offer a unique contribution to something where you can see something and you're like you're like, "Oh, this app isn't localized for this language that I speak fluently." Like that's awesome because honestly, like I wish I could do that, right? Like I'm not bilingual. Like I don't know any other languages, not really. So I can't like go in and help localize an app for another language if you can do that i think that's an amazing contribution that you can make totally. to to an application because it's hard doing that stuff like really really hard doing localization it kind of makes me want to open source all of the localizations for all apps that i make you know what i mean yeah that's there what... was a thing at one point there was a thing by mysterious trousers i think they were a product company I don't remember what app they made, but they, they had a product that was like, it was like a web service. It was like a localization web service. And they had a plugin that you could 
or a, like an SDK that you could drop into your app where it would read your localization files. And then if the user like navigated to the settings, they could say like, help translate this app. And then in from inside the app, they would then be presented with this sheet that is like, how would you translate this sentence? And then they just type it in, right? And then hit submit. And then it sends it up to the web service and then all that. And then when they're done, it gets compiled into a strings file and then sent to you. It's like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's I can't remember great. what it's called. I should look it up. But um, The TapBots guys did this. Oh, they did? They have one public repo on GitHub and it's CalcBot localization. And it's mm. just the strings files. And so they, they that's interesting. They were just trying it out with with Arabic, Japanese, German, Russian, and simplified Chinese. So they just dropped the L projects for those in there. So they have they they said they have the actual string like the empty strings files basically with the keys, but it's not translated. Uh, I'm looking. Yes, yes, smart. Calvetica, sorry, mysterious trousers of the people that made Calvetica. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember that app. Kind of. That's a calendar app? Uh, yeah, it was a calendar app. So what the CalcBot guys did is they, they dumped the LProj folders for the languages they wanted just to sort of try it out and see how it would go. And it was just sort of up to the community to, to organize themselves and, and like get it done. And so there's four types of files in here. There's like a dot .strings, which is the actual strings that will be localized. There's a dot .strings missing which is only the strings that need to be localized. There's a dot strings ignore, which would be strings that don't make sense to localize for like this language. Like maybe there's just things mm-hmm. that it, their proper names or their product names or just right. something that doesn't need to be right. translated. And then dot strings comments, which is just like all of them, except it has the actual comments in there for some of the weirder strings to probably explain where is this used? Like yeah. here, here's some context about how it's used. That's cool. And then when you edit a file, you just run this Ruby script and it removes the ones you've added from the dot strings missing mm-hmm. and adds them to the dot strings and everything's awesome. Cool. That's awesome. And then I guess you could pull that in through submodules or through Carthage or yeah. There's nothing in here about it being a framework, so I'd I'd kind of assume they probably just have it as a submodule. No, it doesn't need to be a framework for Carthage. Like Carthage will just pull it down. So Carthage, you can you'll just you could just say you just point to it, and Carthage will happily just download whatever you pointed at. Got it. And then if it finds a project, then it'll build. Oh, uh, okay. But it but if it doesn't find a project, it's just like whatever. I never thought fine. of using Carthage. Carthage as just yeah. like a content delivery. Yeah. yeah, you can absolutely use it that way. Hmm. Cool. One of the things I was doing. There's a kind of RFC on result about this, where like. I was using Carthage in this way because Carthage, so result defines their own flat map operator, the uh, bracket bracket minus Mm -hmm. or the angle bracket bracket minus. And they define their own, they define their own uh, flat map operator, which is fine. And it makes sense, right? So like one of the things behind this is Rob Rick's results, anti-typical slash result. One of the whole kind of goals behind this was to, for him or for them, was to not have as many dependencies, right? That this version of result, it should be the de facto standard. And one of the ways to make sure that it can be the de facto standard is to not have dependencies, right? You don't want, the Cocoa community is generally dependency averse. So if you say like, so initially, for example, result, 
dependent on either, and either dependent on box, and either also dependent on another one of Rob's frameworks called Prelude, because result is just a fancy either, and either needs box in in Swift, you know, one point two. Either needed box to do what it did, and then either also used a bunch of stuff from Prelude internally and then also externally like exporting some stuff right and kind of the first thing they did when there was this migration from llama kit to result was to wipe out all the dependencies and to remove the dependency on either and prelude from result you had to keep the box one because box right but that made sense but so one of the so they have their own um flat map operator right and there's work that has to happen to make sure that the flat map operator for result doesn't conflict with, for example, the flat map operator defined in runes. And what happened was there was someone who, I don't remember his name, and I feel bad, but I'll post a link to the PR because it was an awesome PR. It was one of my favorite PRs to get because someone had gone through and researched the precedences for um map apply and flat map operators in Haskell and like not just like what they were set to at the number value but what they were in in relation to other things and then contributed that back to runes so he tweaked the precedences of all four operators that we define right the left and right flat map and then map and apply he tweaked the precedences of those to match their precedents their relative precedence in Haskell. And I thought that was awesome. And so I merged that and I cut a release with it and I called it 2.0, right? So it's like runes 2.0 has these new precedences. Well, it turns out Swift will happily pull in multiple operator definitions, like the infix operator thing, like actually defining an operator. Swift will happily pull in multiples like duplicates, as long as they're exactly the same, the second you define a the same operator with a different precedence, it flips out and it says that it's ambiguous and it doesn't know which one it should use, which makes sense. So there's work that had to happen in result in order to keep, he had to change the precedence of his flat map operator to keep up with ours, right? So one of the things I proposed was let's use runes as a central dependency, right? Like don't implement your own flat map operator. Instead, depend on the operator defined in runes and then we'll all be happy. I think ideally the way that that would work is basically through weak linking, right? Like the, the ideal way for this to work would be for result to say, hey, I'd like to define this flat map operator or this this implementation for the flat map operator, if runes is installed, why don't you like? Uh, here's this implementation, right? That that would be that would be perfect, right? If you find runes in the system, then you get this for free. If you don't find runes in the system, then you don't have it. I think that's a totally reasonable thing to do. That's not really feasible in this case, right? You can do weak linking, but because of the way this works, like you can't just dynamically change things behind the scene. Like you, you can't just weak link runes into result and have it work. You have to, it, it just doesn't work. 
So the proposal that I initially came up with was what if you have another framework that does all the operator stuff and has runes as a dependency. And then when you build result, you get result and result runes or result operators or whatever the hell you want to call it, right? That has both. And now that ha that's using the runes operator definitions and provides some implementations and blah, blah, blah. But then that sucks because then you have every time you download result, now you have three frameworks, like through Carthage, you'd have three frameworks that would get installed. It's just like, that sucks, right? That's not good. Because the user would have to know, oh, okay, I wanted this, so I only need result. Or I wanted the runes stuff, so I need to get rune, the runes version of result and runes itself. Pain in the ass. So basically what I what I what we kind of came to is maybe we just pull just the operator definition file out of runes. So I name it like runes.swift. All it is is the, the operator definitions. And then you use Carthage and to download runes, but then only link to that specific source file. So you never build runes, you never declare runes itself as a dependency. You just pull it in through a sub-module and then link just to that file. And so then you can easily just, now we only have to update it in one place. And if other things want to update to stay in sync, then they have to do that still, right? But then it's just changing what version of runes they're linking against instead of actually changing their source code mm -hmm. you know yeah so yes <laughs> that was a really long way to that was a really long story i feel like but um so what's the plan going forward on that i don't know um it's still open it's still in, in rfc i haven't merged those changes into runes that need to happen i probably will merge those changes into runes just because i think like they're inconsequential changes but I don't know. I don't know what the status of that is. And I'm not pushing it because it's not a huge deal right now. And I think all I think everybody's kind of like, I know we're doing it with Argo. And I think they're doing it to a certain extent with Result. Just kind of like sitting back and waiting to see how Swift 2.0 shakes out and how this throw stuff shakes out. Because if the throw stuff improves a little bit, then maybe we ditch. Maybe Result just goes away. Hmm. Right. Like there's that possibility where it's like, okay, result is a monadic way to handle error, to do error handling. And I like that more, but maybe it doesn't make sense to continue to use it if we're just going to be fighting the system the whole time. Kind of the same thing with Argo, right? We're, we're in kind of very much the same place with Argo where we're going like, throws like we didn't expect that that was very very unexpected for us on argo and so we're kind of sitting back now going like what does argo look like in swift 2.0 do we stay the course and push forward with like monads like it literally doesn't work the same without monads like the second uh tony rewrote huge chunks of it to use throw instead of basically our decoded type and the decoded type goes away completely and curried functions go away completely and map and apply go away completely. Just all of that is gone. And instead all you do is you just, you're 
basically what it looks like you're doing is just force unwrapping stuff, right? But it's like a safe version, safe version of force unwrap because you have to do that in a try catch block, right? Right. And so any one of those decode operations can fail at that point. But it looks nothing. It's not the same thing. Like it is not like Argo as written with throw under Swift 2.0 is not the Argo that we have today no. at all. And the, the Argo you have today was started at a time when Swift was at 1.0 before that. Before that. Right? You you didn't have multiple iflets yet. No. And, like, I think the updates to Swift have slowly been kind of coming along and, like, chipping away. Like, I, I don't see it as, like, attacking what Argo was, but it's like Argo was making up for deficiencies in Swift, and it did a good job of it. Yeah, I'm all about... I've said this a number of times on the show. Is like I'm I'm more than happy to be Sherlocked by Apple. Like that's all I ever want with any of this stuff, right? Like I'm happiest when I'm just deleting code out of runes. Um, I'm happiest when we can remove features from Argo because they get implemented by default. Um, I would you know would have been really happy if Result had been pulled into the standard library. I know that Rob Ricks would have been happy too because he doesn't like maintaining it. Like there's I don't care about my own involvement in these things that much. I just want this solution. The problem is that like they've been chipping away and they've been getting closer or removing the deficiencies that we're trying to solve to a certain extent, but then they've been also just kind of moving in a different direction where Argo works this way and it works through type inference and like they don't have anything. They still don't. So they have the multiple iflets so you don't get the pyramid of doom, but you still have to do casting on every single one. Right. So there's still, so there's still like, it's like, even with Swift 1.2's version of if let's, it's still much uglier and there's much more duplication, especially now in Swift 2.0, when now we can just write curry. So I wrote a curry framework yesterday, just kind of for shits and giggles. And I wrote it. So I wrote curry out to 15. I actually wrote it out to 26 arguments. So types A through Z with a return type of double A, right? So a function, curry a function that takes 26 arguments, right? It was ridiculous to write. But so I wrote it out to 26 arguments, and it just wouldn't compile. Like, it just doesn't compile in Swift. And so, like, I just started commenting them out one at a time until I got it to a point where it compiles. Turns out, like, after 15 arguments the the compile times are moving exponentially at that point so it's like a single file with curry written out to 15 arguments so that's 14 implementations of of curry curry written out to 15 arguments takes like two seconds to compile 16 arguments so 15 takes two seconds 18 arguments takes a full 10 seconds <laughs> 19, I didn't wait around to see how long it took 19 to compile. So I, I commented everything back to 15 arguments. It was just like, put a comment there. It's like, compile times are exponential past this. It's like a nod to that tuple file in Haskell, which I'll link to, which is hilarious. It's like this implementation of like tuple creation out to some astronomic level, and it looks like a just a pyramid. Like It just looks like a triangle. And then at some point, it's just a comment block and there's a comment at the top that says like rodrigo says that the compiler seg faults past this point <laughs> but it's like such an astronomical number like i f i feel safe putting this out there with 15 arguments like yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 26 would have been ridiculous. If that would have just compiled, I would have been really impressed. But 15 arguments is like fine. But so I wrote this, I wrote this query framework specifically because in Swift 2.0, now we can pass initializers as functions. So now we don't even need to have people write that create function. Now we can just do return curry init and then the normal Argo stuff. Like that's going to be it. It's going to be so clean, so nice. So like as they remove deficiencies, right? Again, that curry thing was there to work around a deficiency in the system where you couldn't curry initializers because you couldn't pass them as functions. As they remove those things, they move in a different direction. And I don't like Argo with throws. Like, I really don't. I think it's a worse experience. I don't know. That's, Is it because it's less useful? I definitely think it's less powerful. I think it's much less powerful. I think that the, the, the fact that it's a perfect example. Here's a perfect example. In my project right now, we're doing side loading. Right, so we have sideloaded. There's this whole freaking conversation that's been going on for literally a week over here about this JSON API spec, um, and it's been because me and Tony have been upstairs throwing a hissy fit for the past week about the JSON API spec. But one of the big things in JSON API is that you sideload objects. So if I have people and people have an associated company, well, you don't nest that in the JSON, right? You don't have people, and then each person has a company nested inside instead you have people and then each person has like a company ids field which relates to um then there's another top level companies thing which has all the companies in it and so you would need to create the person it gets complicated especially in a statically typed system where you you want to use you know we want to use um immutable value objects we want to use structs with immutable properties so i need that company relationship at the time of the person's creation i can't create a person without having a company but it's not in the same json so i have to stop my parsing of the json and go fetch this other thing and then add that back in it just adds so much overhead and everything that deals with this is doing like classes or you you know relies on the objective c runtime stuff like that but we were able to solve it. Tony specifically was able to solve it by using partial application. So in our decoder that uses Argo, instead of returning a fully created person, we'll just keep going with this analogy. Instead of returning a fully created person, it returns a decode, like inside this decoded monad, right? This is like monad deep dive stuff, but it returns a function that takes a company and that returns the person, right? And it's wrapped, still wrapped inside that same decoded context. In Argo, that's literally just returning early. That's having the right type signature and just not including that last line in your parser. Now you're just going to return a function. And then in this higher up function outside of the person model, right, we have this parser that's actually taking the data, the NS, or really the JSON but takes the JSON, does whatever, tra uh, whatever transformations it needs to do, and then returns a user or a person, whatever. At that point, we parse out the company first and then parse the person out to the point where all we need is to apply the company. And then we apply the company and then return that. 
And so it was like a really slick way around this partial around this problem that we were running into that we were really worried about. We could not figure out how to do it inside the system. And it just worked. It was really, really nice. That would be impossible in Argo that uses throws instead of mm, got it. Instead of a partial application. Got it. You lost me there for a bit, but then Sorry. I was confused about where you're going, but yeah. Yeah, I get no, it. No, that that solution is made possible because we're using monads and because we're using an applicative monad or applicative functor specifically. If it wasn't for that, we would have to make these sacrifices and we would have to make compromises for our model objects. I think we'd have to make compromises for our model objects in a way that we don't have to make that same compromise now. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I felt rambly. Was that rambly? No, it wasn't too rambly. A little rambly? No. Wasn't too rambly. Okay. <laughs> what else? You want to wrap it up? Yeah, we can wrap it up. A little. It's hot in here. A little bit. And also, uh, I'm out of beer. Yeah, that's a good sign. I'm out of beer, so <laughs> see you later, nerds. Let's cut this short. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, I don't know what episode this is. Eighty-eight. How do you know that? Because I know that the last one was eighty-seven. We just increment. Do you not? Oh, right. I get it, man. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> Show notes for this episode are going to be found at buildphase.fm slash 88. And as always, we'd like to hear from you. So email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And we always appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. Cool. Right. Yeah. Do see we get you. ratings and reviews on iTunes? I don't know. I haven't checked in a while. I'm checking. Are we can call people out. Yeah. Good job, Jacob. That's my, the- <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do. Build face. Mm-hmm. We have a perfect five-star rating. Mm-hmm. 37 reviews. It's not bad. 37. So thank you, every single person that listens to the show, <laughs> for eventually going and rating the show. Right. Yeah, we got to stop recording now. Okay. All right, see you. Later. I don't know why I'm saying bye again. <laughs>